And I want to start off by telling you guys a story tonight. What's up? How many of you guys have ever played paintball? Any of you? There's like four hands, five hands, okay. So only that, not every, wow, that surprised me. I thought more people play paintball. Okay, all right, so I want to tell you about the first time I ever played paintball. I was in the fourth grade, all right, so a little fourth grade mason. You can imagine, I'm a little tiny little guy, and I was terrified, all right. The thought of getting these paintballs hurled at me and then running from them just didn't seem that fun, but I told my, other, my older brother I'd go with him, so me and my other little fourth grade tiny little buddy decided to go play with my brother and his friends at this place when we were living in Mississippi at the time. It was called Action Pursuit Games. Let me tell you, this place was pretty legit, all right? So this is one of those places where you roll up, and they've got, like, this building, and you get your, you know, you can rent your paintball guns, you get your CO2, all that stuff. And then they had, like, six to eight different courses. So there's only a few that play paintball, but you have things like speedball, which is more like close combat, and then you have things that are, like, you know, back in the woods. They had it everything, okay? So they had all these different courses. And on this particular day, remember my first time, there was 40... Uh, probably 40 to 50 people that showed up at this place to play paintball, all right? So I was looking forward to, you know, I was, I was pretty excited, but a little terrified at the same time. But they tell us the first course we're going to be playing on is this one that's back in the woods, and, and there's two objectives. So if you're on one team, you're on a centralized base in the woods that is surrounded by this moat, okay? Uh, more like a creek, I guess. But uh, it's probably like two feet deep, and it has bridges going across in all these different directions. All right, so one team's job is to stand on the centralized base and protect the flag, while the other team's job is to surround it from every direction and try to come and shoot everybody with paint and take the flag, all right? So the team on the base, you can't respond, okay? But the other team, come on, you can respond as many times as you want. So they're trying to come infiltrate the base. And so a little fourth-grade old Mason, I'm, I'm pretty excited, kind of nervous. They come to me and my other little fourth-grade buddy, you know, this little pipsqueak pip guy. They're like, hey, you two. We want you guys to go cover this southwest flank over here. I was like, sweet, yeah, all right. They're giving me some responsibility. I felt good. So we go over to the southwest flank. We're hiding over there. And uh, I later found out the reason they put us over here was because no one goes that way. All right? So they didn't trust us at all. But they were like, hey, you guys go do this. You, you little kids, you know, you just go pointing to do something. So we're over there sitting behind this bunker, me and my buddy. And uh, the game starts, and we start hearing these sounds, just dot, 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 and you hear the paint flying through, it's hitting the tin, you hear king, king, hitting off the tin, it's hitting, um, you know, the trees, and then you hear the occasional, ah, hit, and you know, you're like, oh man, I don't want to get hit, I'm starting to get a little nervous, so I'm sitting here, this is my little bunker, I'm watching my southwest flank, you know, I'm sitting down, I'm like, man, this is just the most terrifying thing in the world, and then to compound all that, if any, if any of you, the ones that have played paintball, you know, your goggles, like, start fogging up, right, so I'm wearing this mask, with these goggles, and they just start fogging up to the point where I can't even see my buddy that's like 10 feet in front of me. The only thing I can see is my own fear in the form of like tears running down my face, okay? I'm like so scared at this point, and I'm sitting back here. I'm like, I know this is the end. This is just where it ends, okay? So about that time, I can't see anything. I'm already terrified because I hear all these paintballs flying through the air. I start hearing footsteps, all right? These footsteps, they're not coming from behind us, you know, friendly footsteps, these footsteps are coming from the southwest flank. So I'm sitting here, I'm like, wow, this is my time to shine. This is the southwest flank. Did I say southeast? I don't know. Either way, it, I think it was the southwest based on where the sun. Don't try to mess me up, Timmy. This is my story. All right? So we're sitting here, guarding the southwest flank, and I begin to hear these footsteps. All right? And I start to freak out a little bit. My heart starts pounding. 
And they sound like heavy footsteps. Sounds like a big person. Like, this is it. This is where I die. This is the end of little fourth grade Mason as we know it. This little, this man's going to come around here with a pamel gun. He's just going to light me up. And to compound my fear, I, you know, I can't see a thing. So I begin to panic a little bit. But all of a sudden, something comes over me. Call it confidence. Call it heroism. Whatever you may want to call it. Um, but I thought, you know what? My team needs me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend this southwest flank for my honor, for this, for this squad. So, partly because I can't see anything, and partly because I don't want to get hit, I decided I'm going to light this sucker up, all right? So, I'm sitting back here. So, I wait till he gets super close, but remember, I can't see anything. So, what I do is I just stick my gun over like this, all right? And I just start going, just like spraying in this guy's direction, okay? And I had waited until he was close. Like, he sounded like he was probably right here. Like, this guy was really close, and I'm just sitting there hiding behind a bunker for, like, 10 minutes because I'm terrified So I hear somebody. I'm just lighting this guy up, and then the sweetest sound, all right, I hear this guy just in pain begging for mercy. He's like, ah, oh, stop, please, stop, oh, stop shooting. I'm like, yeah, right, bro, I'm still lighting him up, okay? So for, like, a good five seconds, I'm still just, like, shooting his general direction, all right? And at that point, I'm like, I feel good. I just... I just slain a man with multicolored paint, all right? So I'm like, I want to peek over this bunker, and I want to look at my accomplishment, right? So granted, I can't see anything, hardly, but I peek over the bunker, and I can't make out anything because I can't see anything, but the only thing I can make out is the pattern on his shirt. It's a very familiar pattern, almost like that of a zebra. It was the referee, okay? It was one of the referees, all right? And I peek over that bunker, and that guy is looking at me. He was... Ooh, he was mad. He let me at it. He was, he was saying, we have a rule. You got to see what you shoot. And he was, he was going off me. Like little fourth grade Mason just tore this guy up. I shot him like 20, 30 times. It was great. Um, but the moral of the story is you want to see what you're shooting at. You want to see what you're aiming at. And today uh, we're going to be talking about vision, okay, but not vision in the sense that I'm talking about in that story of, of eyesight, but you can compare it to what we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about vision uh, in a different sense. The definition we're going to use listen to this because you'll need it for the night, um, is this, the ability to think about or plan the future in accordance with biblical wisdom. Okay, so when I talk about vision here, I'm not talking necessarily about your eyesight, even though we can kind of compare it to that. I'll show you how it applies to my story here in a second. But we're talking about vision as the ability to plan or think about the future in accordance with biblical wisdom. We're also going to talk about why it's important to have vision, and uh, more importantly, why it's important to have Christ-centered vision for your lives. So what I'm going to do today, uh, instead of just giving you a point, I'm going to ask a question and then kind of answer it with that point, okay? So the first question I'm going to ask you is this, what is the purpose of having vision, all right? And, and that's going to be up on the screen. What is the purpose of having vision? And the answer to that is that our vision impacts our future, okay? So the purpose of having vision for the future is because it impacts the future, so that kind of makes sense in and of itself. Um, but here's the thing, if you don't know what you're aiming at for the future, kind of like I didn't know what I was aiming at with my paintball gun, right, you're going to hit a whole lot of nothing, or you're going to end up hitting something you didn't mean to. So in life, if you're like me in that paintball game, and you're just kind of spraying over your head, you're not going to hit what you intend to hit. I thought I was hitting the enemy, I was actually hitting the referee, or maybe I would have shot over here and just completely missed the guy. But here's the reality. If we don't know what we're aiming at, if we don't know what we're striving towards, you're going to hit a whole lot of nothing or something you weren't planning to hit. Another way of talking about this is, is setting goals. And I know we all set goals. 
Um, but we're going to talk about specific things to set goals to. What I will not be talking about, I want to clarify this, I'm not talking, when I talk about vision of your future, vision of, of what you want your, your life to look like in 10, 15 years, I'm not talking about necessarily planning out every single detail like, um, you know, I'm going to graduate school with this degree, I'm going to marry this person, we're going to have this many kids, we're going to make this much money, we're going to live this place, and do, you know, that's not what I'm talking about because I guarantee you that's not going to go exactly to plan. But when we talk about vision, we're talking about an overarching theme of our lives. And we see in Scripture that we have a, a vision that God has for our lives and how our lives can align with that vision. So this is important um, because having a vision for your life helps you recognize what actions you need to take to accomplish your goals. So say you want to be a doctor, right? So you would recognize that I need to make good grades. I need to do well in school. If you want to be a professional athlete, stop eating donuts, okay? So there's like, there's actions that you have to take if you want to accomplish your goals. And the importance of having vision is knowing what direction you're heading. If you don't know what direction you're heading, you're just spraying, spraying and praying as I say it, all right? That's not what we want our lives to look like. We don't want to guess and just hope for the best. We want to have a vision in place that aligns with God's scripture in accordance with biblical wisdom. That way we can know the actions and steps that we need to take to align with that vision. The first scripture we're going to look at is Proverbs 21.5. It says this, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. All right, and then it goes, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. We're going to be looking at the first part of that verse. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. So that can be taken in a monetary sense, you know, in money and that kind of thing. But I don't want us to only get caught in looking at abundance as money and, and things we possess. We're going to talk about abundance in, in different ways. We're going to, and when I talk about this, I, I, I never want it to seem like having success in, in, in money is a bad thing. No, that's not the bad thing, but that's not the end goal for us as Christians, if the end goal, if your vision of your life is, is you just making a lot of money so you can have houses and cars and spaceships, like, that's not the end goal for us as Christians. We're going to look at abundance in another sense of the word. We want to seek the abundance of the kingdom of God. We want to see the kingdom of God in abundance around us. We want to see an abundance of life change left in our wake. And as we're following Jesus, you'll find that there's an abundance of joy Love, there should be an abundance of generosity in everything we do. So this is the abundance that we're going we're gonna to talk about tonight. That leads me to this question. What is the abundance that you're seeking? Right, so that scripture, you can kind of uh, place something in there. What is the abundance that you are seeking? Because it talks about the plans of the diligence are going to lead to this. So what are you seeking? What is your abundance? Is it money? Is it fame? Is it popularity? Or are you seeking the things of Christ? Are you seeking to love, to, to speak truth, to model discipleship? What is the abundance that you're seeking? And I think a good way for us to answer this question would be to put a couple blanks in that sentence and to fill the first blank with your name, and then the second blank uh, we, we would leave for what we think our abundance is seeking. So mine would be the plans of blank will surely lead to blank, Right? So if I were to fill my name in, the plans of Mason will surely lead to, what would it be? If you put your name in there, the plans 
of Timothy, the plans of whoever will surely lead to what? If you were to look at what your plan is for your life, what your vision is of your life in 20 years, if that were to come true, what would that lead to? Would it be all about money? Would it be all about success and fame? Or would your plan lead to an abundance for the kingdom of God? Would it lead to an abundance of life change? Would it lead to an abundance of generosity, an abundance of love? I think that's a good question or starter point for us to realize where our values lie. The second blank, that tells you everything you need to know about where your values lie. So two weeks ago, we talked about how our spiritual DNA, how that affects our values, right? How that how that affects what we put value in. So if you've been changed by Jesus, that should affect what you value. We talked about if, if you've been changed by Jesus, that should affect your mission. And today we're focusing on if you've been changed by Jesus, that's going to affect the vision you have of yourself in the future. It's going to affect what you want to do in the future. It all stems from who you are on the inside. If Jesus has changed who you are, then it's going to be evident in your dreams and your aspirations and what you want to do. So that second blank tells you a whole lot about where your values lie, and your values are going to determine that vision. Because if your values lie in, in popularity and fame and all these things, then the vision of yourself 20 years from now is going to be of you seeking those things. But if your values lie in the three we talked about a few weeks ago in loving well and speaking truth and modeling discipleship, then the vision you have of your life will align such more closely with Scripture and what God's plan would be for your life. This verse also, I should point out, doesn't talk about or, or say that the plans of the lazy will surely lead to abundance, right? It says the, the plans of the diligent, the plans of those that are willing to work hard, the plans of those that are you know, persistent. The problem is so often in our culture today, in my generation, it, which will include some of y'all, we're not known for being hard workers. We're known for getting stuff handed to us. You know, we're surrounded by so much technology that we have everything at our fingertips. We're not known as a generation that works hard. We think that, you know, we can just kind of sit around and everything is going to be handed to us. But the problem is, y'all, we can't be defined by that as the church. That might be the definition of the culture, but that cannot be the definition of us as the church. We can't be known as people that are just going to sit back. This, this verse talks about how the, the efforts, the, the diligence of those are going to lead to abundance, lead to success. Now that, like I said, is not just monetary value. It takes a lot of hard work and effort to, to make wins for the kingdom. It takes a lot of hard work and effort to, to have success for the kingdom. All right, it doesn't just happen by us sitting back. It happens by us getting out and doing the work. That's the only way we can begin to fulfill the vision that God would have for us. We have to be different. And, and once again, it's not just working hard for work's sake, but it's working hard for the kingdom's sake. So taking it back to that original question, what is the purpose of having vision? Just kind of to, to repeat that question or, or to to answer that question again, if you have no vision for your life, you're just going to be hoping and praying that you're hitting something like I was with that paintball gun. Without vision, without direction, you're just kind of shooting out anywhere. All right? So that's why it's important. You, you are just blindly shooting, hoping that something good is going to come of it. And secondly, uh, having a Christ-centered vision for your life will not only impact your future, your priorities, and your action, 
It's also going to impact the kingdom of God and other people's eternities. When we think about in that aspect that our vision, it's not just affecting you. Your, your life isn't just affecting you. Your life is affecting all the people around you. If you're living on mission for Jesus, for the kingdom of God, people's eternities will never be the same. But the same can also be said, if we aren't living on mission for Jesus, people's eternities will be destined in hell. That truth lies on the weight of where we take our priorities, where we take our actions. It, it all lies on what we're going to do the next step. What's the vision you have for your life? It's important. That leads us to the second question. How can we know our vision is aligned with God's will for our lives? And I answer that with the concept that we've been talking about the last few weeks. Our DNA, our spiritual DNA, determines our vision. So how can we know our vision is aligned with God's will for our lives? If our DNA is that of Christ, if you've been changed by Jesus, then that's going to affect your vision. That's going to determine your vision. If you're pursuing Jesus daily, you can't help but align your vision with his. The problem is so often we, we, you know, we become saved, we become a follower of Jesus, yet we still want to pursue everything the world has to offer. We, we still want to pursue success and money and all these things, popularity. And honestly, we could begin to care less about God's plan for our lives on living on mission for him. But that's not how it's supposed to work. If you are growing daily in Jesus, then your vision will begin to align with his. Proverbs 16.3 says this, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. If our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we are doing everything out of a commitment to the Lord. He's going to establish our plans. So what does it mean that he would establish our plans? That could mean a few different things. He's going to bring opportunities into your life. It's going to be evident that the Lord is bringing opportunities in your life. I've had times where uh, people that are just very wise and, and, and um, know a lot of things will speak into my life. I'm like, man, I really feel like that's something God's been leading me to do, just as a confirmation. And then there will be those times when you just feel the Holy Spirit nudging you to do something. I can't explain it, but you know it when it happens. When you're walking closely with Jesus, you can begin to feel the Holy Spirit nudge you in different directions. And I've been there where I've been like, man, God, I have no idea what to do in this situation and then asking the Lord for guidance, and all of a sudden, it's just abundantly clear what I'm supposed to do. Laying out that pathway before. So as we commit what we do to the Lord, if we're doing everything for the sake of the gospel, we're doing everything for Jesus Christ, then he's going to nudge you in the direction you need to go to take it back to that question, how can we know our vision is aligned with God's will? If you're walking step and step, day by day, alongside Jesus, he will make it clear. Now, what, what always won't be clear is why you go through, through some things you go through. This life brings some tough times. There's going to be times where you go through, you know, a death in the family. You're, you lose a job or you're struggling for money, all these different things. And you don't understand why God is putting you through what he's putting you. How can this be the plans that God has laid out before me? How are you establishing your plans for my life, God, and how can this be included in it? You know, Pastor Landon, a few weeks ago, talked about us even being thankful for the hardest things in life. And we can't do it on our own power. How could we be thankful for losing a parent? How could we be thankful for losing a friend? 
Yeah, that's what scripture calls us to do because God knows that he does have a plan for each of our lives. And ultimately, when we look back, you know, here on this earth and maybe later on, we can see how God weaved his plan even through the tough times. Even through the tough times, it's a time for us to grow closer and lean in to Jesus. Here's another thing I found personally. I, you know, I, had, I would tell you this. The vision I had for my life when I was 14 has drastically changed to what I see myself doing now. All right? It has drastically changed and, and to what I see myself doing maybe in 10, 15 years. But it's changed as I've grown closer to Jesus, as I've matured in my walk. I've noticed that my vision may have been pointed this way of what I wanted to do in the future. And gradually, as I have, as I have become closer with Jesus, walking with him day by day, it's been turning this way. And all of a sudden, I can see, you know, I, I, I won't sit here and say that I know exactly what the Lord is going to do. That's not the case. But I, I feel like, the, obviously, the Lord's vision for my life has never changed. It's been steady. And as I've grown closer to him, it's just been the reality that my vision is beginning to align with his in a more clear way. And he's making that known to me every single day as I grow closer to him. So it may be uh, true that your vision is going to change over time. The vision you have, uh, once again, taking it back to our definition, planning for the future in accordance with biblical wisdom. That's going to change over time as you get to know Jesus better, as you spend time with him. He's going to begin to change maybe even your passions, your, uh, what you like to do, all those different things. But what I do know is that God has given each of us different abilities, different talents. And he will give each of us opportunities to use those talents for his glory. So not every one of you obviously sitting here is going to be uh, doing full-time ministry like I am one day. You know, God may have blessed you and gifted you in different ways that you're going to be out in the community doing different things. And that is perfectly fine. That, that, that is awesome. But he does have a plan for each of us and for our different talents and abilities. However, we still do battle against our sin nature. And that's where it becomes tricky because we do have, as we're walking step with Jesus, we do want to align our vision with his, but we do struggle with the sin nature that sometimes our vision can become skewed or corrupt or blurry. So here are some things I've found that, that help me when I'm thinking about this, or even just in daily things. It doesn't have to be a long-term vision, but when you're just going about through certain situations, you know, asking yourself these questions or, or um having these comments in your mind is this. If it ever contradicts God's word, it's not God's will for your life. If it's ever rooted in pride or greed, it's not God's will. Okay, so I found sometimes where I really think this is what I'm supposed to do, but then I realize in my heart, it's coming out of a place of, of pridefulness. And I realize, man, that's not actually what God was calling me to at all. That was my own pride setting in. And obviously, if it directly contradicts God's word, that's not something God is calling you to do. So when you look at your vision, when you look at what you see yourself doing in 15, 20 years, as you plan and make these plans for what you're going to do, as you choose colleges and choose degrees, choose who you're going to marry, all this type of stuff, if it ever contradicts God's word, it's not God's will for your life. All right? And if it's ever rooted in pride and greed, you really need to check that because chances are it's heading you in the wrong direction. So having vision, having that outlook on the future is important. But once again, we're not God. We can't see the future. But we serve a God who is all-knowing, who knows everything and knows exactly what we're going through when we go through it. Proverbs 3, 
verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So you may be sitting here tonight, and you would say, man, I have no idea what the Lord wants to do with my life. I have no idea what I want to be doing in 10, 15 years. That's perfectly fine. I get it. I was in that same place early in high school. I I had no idea what the future entailed. But God's word promises that if we trust in him, he's going to make our path straight. Now, it's not always going to be that he's going to reveal the whole future to you, say, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be doing this in this country. It's not necessarily how God operates all the time. But if you're trusting in in him and and you're walking day to day with him, he's going to reveal that next step to you. You're going to take that step. He's going to reveal that next step to you. It's a lifetime uh, of just following and trusting in the Lord. And when we look back, we'll say, man, God, you really did have a plan. You weaved me through so much traffic, and you got me to where I am today to do exactly what you've called me to do. And we can only know that if we know we're walking step by step with Jesus every single day. So I'd ask you this question. Do your hopes and do your dreams, the vision you have for your life, does that reflect the DNA of Christ? Do your ambitions, do your your ambitions, do your your career hopes, do, do those things all reflect the DNA of Christ? Do your motives behind those decisions, do they reflect the DNA of Christ. Because Proverbs also talks about how the Lord weighs the motives of a man's heart. It's not just about what we do, it's about why we do it. So it's not bad to get a good job and make a lot of money. The problem is when you want that money for all the cars and the mansions and, and, and all that, When it's not bad to make money. Are you generous with that money? Are you willing to, to give and live a life of generosity? So do your hopes, do your dreams, does the vision you have for your life, if you have one, Does that line up with who you are in Christ? Maybe tonight you need to reevaluate your future, the vision you have of your life in the future. But it all leads back to this fact. I've asked this question each time in this series. Either Jesus has changed your DNA or he hasn't. Is your life reflecting the DNA of Christ? So either Jesus has changed who you are at your core or he hasn't. And here's the reality. If Jesus has changed who you are, then it's going to affect the vision you have for your life. If Jesus has changed who you are, it's going to affect what you put value in. If Jesus has changed who you are, it's going to affect your mission as a follower of Jesus. So either he has changed your life or he hasn't. Man, I encourage you, if those things don't line up at all with God's word, then man, you need to do some soul searching. Get down on your knees and pray to the Lord and and ask him, Lord, have you changed who I am? I want to give everything over to you. And as you do that, as you walk step and step with Jesus, he begins to reveal the vision he has for your life. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying he's going to just lay it out all in front of you and say, in 45 years, this is what you're going to do. But he's going he's to give you that next step, what you need. Lord, what do I do here? Guide me in this next step here. And as we do that, we look back and say, Lord, you were with me the whole step. You were with me the whole journey. So I want to invite you guys tonight, uh, I'm about to pray, but maybe tonight, um, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do it, um, but also maybe tonight you, you realize that maybe your aspirations, your ambitions, your hopes and your dreams haven't been aligned with what God would want for your life, and I want to give you an opportunity to, to 
Praise the Lord with that. Let's pray.